The King and His Hawk by James Baldwin. Genghis Khan was a great king and warrior. He led his army into China and Persia, and he conquered many lands. In every country, men told about his daring deeds, and they said that since Alexander the Great there had been no king like him. One morning, when he was home from the wars, he rode out into the woods to have a day's sport. Many of his friends were with him. They rode out gaily, carrying their bows and arrows. Behind them came the servants with the hound. It was a merry hunting party. The woods rang with their shouts and laughter. They expected to carry much game home in the evening. On the king's wrist sat his favorite hawk. For in those days, hawks were trained to hunt. At a word from their masters, they would fly high up into the air and look around for prey. If they chanced to see a deer or a rabbit, they would swoop down upon it, swift as any arrow. All day long, Genghis Khan and his huntsmen rode through the woods, but they did not find as much game as they expected. Toward evening, they started for home. The king had often ridden through the woods, and he knew all the paths. So while the rest of the party took the nearest way, he went by a longer road through a valley between two mountains. The day had been warm, and the king was very thirsty. His pet hawk had left his wrist and flown away. It would be sure to find its way home. The king rode slowly along. He had once seen a spring of clear water near this pathway. If he could only find it now. But the hot days of summer had dried up all the mountain brooks. At last, to his joy, he saw some water trickling down over the edge of a rock. He knew that there was a spring farther up. In the wet season, a swift stream of water always poured down here. But now it came only one drop at a time. The king leaped from his horse. He took a little silver cup from his hunting bag. He held it so as to catch the slowly falling drops. It took a long time to fill the cup, and the king was so thirsty that he could hardly wait. At last it was nearly full. He put the cup to his lips and was about to drink. All at once there was a whirring sound in the air, and the cup was knocked from his hands. The water was all spilled upon the ground. The king looked up to see who had done this thing. It was his pet hawk. The hawk flew back and forth a few times, and then alighted among the rocks by the spring. The king picked up the cup, and again held it to catch the trickling drops. This time he did not wait so long. When the cup was halfway full, he lifted it toward his mouth. But before it had touched his lips, the hawk swooped down again, and knocked it from his hand. Now the king began to grow angry. He tried again, and for the third time the hawk kept him from drinking. The king was now very angry indeed. How do you dare to act so, he cried. If I had you in my hands, I would wring your neck. Then he filled the cup again, but before he tried to drink, he drew his sword. Now, Sir Hawk, he said, this is the last time. He had hardly spoken before the hawk swooped down and knocked the cup from his hand. But the king was looking for this. With a quick sweep of the sword, he struck the bird as it passed. The next moment, the poor hawk lay bleeding and dying at its master's feet. That is what you get for your pains, said Genghis Khan. But when he looked for his cup, he found that it had fallen between two rocks where he could not reach it. At any rate, I will have a drink from that spring, he said to himself. With that, he began to climb the steep bank to the place from which the water trickled. It was hard work, and the higher he climbed, the thirstier he became. At last, he reached the place. There indeed was a pool of water, but what was lying in the pool and almost filling it? was a huge dead snake of the most poisonous kind. The king stopped. He forgot his thirst. He thought only of the poor dead bird lying on the ground below him. The hawk saved my life, he cried. And how did I repay him? He was my best friend, and I have killed him. He clambered down the bank. He took the bird up gently and laid it in his hunting bag. Then he mounted his horse and rode swiftly home. He said to himself, I have learned a sad lesson today, and that is never to do anything in anger. 
a story of Robin Hood by James Baldwin. In the rude days of King Richard and King John there were many great woods in England. The most famous of these was Sherwood Forest, where the king often went to hunt deer. In this forest there lived a band of daring men called outlaws. They had done something that was against the laws of the land and had been forced to hide themselves in the woods to save their lives. There they spent their time in roaming about among the trees, in hunting the king's deer, and in robbing rich travelers that came that way. There were nearly a hundred of these outlaws, and their leader was a bold fellow called Robin Hood. They were dressed in suits of green, and armed with bows and arrows, and sometimes they carried long wooden lances and broad swords, which they knew how to handle well. Whenever they had taken anything, it was brought and laid at the feet of Robin Hood, whom they called their king. He then divided it fairly among them, giving to each man his just share. Robin never allowed his men to harm anybody but the rich men who lived in great houses and did no work. He was always kind to the poor, and he often sent help to them, and for that reason the common people looked upon him as their friend. Long after he was dead, men liked to talk about his deeds. Some praised him and some blamed him. He was, indeed, a rude, lawless fellow, but at that time, people did not think of right and wrong as they do now. A great many songs were made up about Robin Hood, and these songs were sung in the cottages and huts all over the land for hundreds of years afterward. Here is a little story that is told in one of those songs. Robin Hood was standing one day under a green tree by the roadside. While he was listening to the birds among the leaves, he saw a young man passing by. This young man was dressed in a fine suit of bright red cloth, and, as he tripped gaily along the road, he seemed to be as happy as the day. I will not trouble him, said Robin Hood, for I think he is on his way to his wedding. The next day Robin stood in the same place. He had not been there long when he saw the same young man coming down the road. But he did not seem to be so happy this time. He had left his scarlet coat at home and at every step he sighed and groaned. Ah the sad day, the sad day, he kept saying to himself. Then Robin Hood stepped out from under the tree, and said, I say, young man, have you any money to spare for my merry men and me? I have nothing at all, said the young man, but five shillings and a ring. A gold ring? asked Robin. Yes, said the young man, it is a gold ring. Here it is. Ah, I see, said Robin. It is a wedding ring. I have kept it these seven years, said the young man. I have kept it to give to my bride on our wedding day. We were going to be married yesterday. But her father has promised her to a rich old man whom she never saw. And now my heart is broken. What is your name? asked Robin. My name is Alana Dale, said the young man. What will you give me, in gold or fee? said Robin if I will help you win your bride again in spite of the rich old man to whom she has been promised. I have no money, said Alan, but I will promise to be your servant. How many miles is it to the place where the maiden lives? asked Robin. It is not far, said Alan, but she is to be married this very day, and the church is five miles away. Then Robin made haste to dress himself as a harper, and in the afternoon he stood in the door of the church. Who are you? said the bishop. And what are you doing here? I am a bold harper, said Robin, the best in the North Country. I am glad you have come, said the bishop kindly. There is no music that I like so well as that of the harp. Come in, and play for us. I will go in, said Robin Hood, 
but I will not give you any music until I see the bride and bridegroom. Just then an old man came in. He was dressed in rich clothing, but was bent with age, and was feeble and gray. By his side walked a fair young girl. Her cheeks were very pale, and her eyes were full of tears. This is no match said Robin. Let the bride choose for herself. Then he put his horn to his lips, and blew three times. The very next minute, four and twenty men, all dressed in green, and carrying long bows in their hands, came running across the fields. And as they marched into the church, all in a row, the foremost among them was all in a dale. Now whom do you choose? said Robin to the maiden. I choose all in a dale, she said, blushing. And all in a dale you shall have said Robin, and he that takes you from all in a dale shall find that he is Robin Hood to deal with. And so the fair maiden and all in a dale were married then and there, and the rich old man went home in a great rage. There was once a king of Scotland, whose name was Robert Bruce. He had need to be both brave and wise, for the time in which he lived was wild and rude. The king of England was at war with him, and had led a great army into Scotland to drive him out of the land. Battle after battle had been fought. Six times had Bruce led his brave little army against his foes. Six times had his men been beaten and driven into flight. At last his army was scattered, and he was forced to hide himself in the woods and in lonely places among the mountains. One rainy day Bruce lay on the ground under a rude shed, listening to the patter of the drops on the roof above him. He was tired and sick at heart, and ready to give up all hope. It seemed to him that there was no use for him to try to do anything more. As he lay thinking, he saw a spider over his head, making ready to weave her web. He watched her as she toiled slowly and with great care. Six times she tried to throw her frail thread from one beam to another, and six times it fell short. Poor thing, said Bruce. You too know what it is to fail. But the spider did not lose hope with the sixth failure. With still more care she made ready to try for the seventh time. Bruce almost forgot his own troubles as he watched her swing herself out upon the slender line. Would she fail again? No. The thread was carried safely to the beam and fastened there. I too will try a seventh time, cried Bruce. He arose and called his men together. He told them of his plans and sent them out with messages of cheer to his disheartened people. Soon there was an army of brave Scotchmen around him. Another battle was fought, and the King of England was glad to go back into his own country. I have heard it said that after that day, no one by the name of Bruce would ever hurt a spider. The lesson which the little creature had taught the king was never forgotten.